Do you read Stephen King? Good news, there's a club for you. The Losers Club. And guess what? You don't have to die at the hands of a shape-shifting clown to join. No, all you have to do is tune in every Friday as us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. Each week, we'll either spend hours reading between the pages of one of his books or chew on his latest tweets and Hollywood headlines. What's more, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Mick Garris, Jerry O'Connell, Mary Lambert, Will Wheaton, and the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Consequence of Sound, the podcast. This feed is home to all your favorite Consequence of Sound editorial content turned into bite-sized podcasts for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know. Most often, it's home to album reviews as well as features like track-by-track and artist interviews. Well, Lollapalooza just happened, and as a result, we've got a whole host of artist interviews from on-site at Lollapalooza. So join us as we discuss the history of this revered festival and defining performances with artists old and new to the Lollapalooza stage. So we are here with Alex Leahy. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. And uh, I'd like to start off by asking, I know I saw in your set earlier uh, that you guys lost your luggage on your way to Chicago. I'm sorry to hear that. How are you uh, managing without all your stuff right now? You know what? I'm actually like pretty zen about it, which is which is kind of strange. But th- this is the last run of shows for this entire album cycle, so I'm like kind of at the point where I'm like, I'm just here to have a good time, and like I'm doing just that. And at the end of the day, the show is able to go on, so it's not too too bad. But but what happened is that my we played a festival in France before we came to the states, and my band came over separately to me with all the gear. And as they came over, half of the gear got lost by the airline on the way to France. Oh, my God. So they rocked up with half the gear. It was fine. We made it work. Blah, blah, blah. And because we left France before the gear was able to be retrieved, we had to send it back to Australia. And so then we took the other half of the gear over to the US on my birthday. So oh. I, was in, I was in transit <laughs> on my birthday. Oh, man. And uh, when we, we, we got to Minneapolis, this is where we landed, and none of it showed up. So we lost Jeez. two halves of our gear in two different flights. But it's actually been okay. Yeah. It's been fine. Like, we've managed to recover pretty well. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty zen this tour, so I'm just yeah. going with it and the show's happening and, you know, no complaints. Just as long as my stuff rocks up back in Melbourne, I'll be happy. Well, you certainly couldn't tell the difference during your set this afternoon. I thought that was a uh, uh, one of the best things I've seen here so far this weekend. Thank you. That's very um, kind. Yeah, of course. You played with the National last night also. This is a hell of a way to uh, close out uh, a tour. Uh, So I guess my question with that was, um, first of all, like, how was it? And then also, what uh, is, I guess, the experience and also the consideration as a performer like in playing, you know, a room like the Metro one night and then a giant stage at Lollapalooza the next day? Like, how is that? How do you make that transition? It's interesting. I mean, to speak to the National, like... um with your initial question, I was really lucky. I mean, I've been a fan of the National for quite a while. Uh, one of the presents on my 21st birthday was a copy of, um, I'm pretty sure it was The Trouble Will Find Me record. And um, that was such a like a lovely gift to get and was such a bonding point between a particular friend and myself. So to get to ask to support them was wonderful, especially given that I um, went to Eau Claire the other week um, for no the festival kidding. there. Yeah, just, just... I was there too. Just, <laughs> no way, yeah, just for fun. And, like, 
just seeing that and especially like getting more in touch with the band um particularly on the basis of Aaron Dessner's work with that festival was like was a really special thing to to connect to like with playing with them so that was really really nice um but you know to compare the two shows I mean to be honest with you I think that like being asked to support the national at that particular show yesterday like an 1100 cap room in Chicago that got sold out in three minutes um you know there is something so wonderfully uh there there is such a wonderful opportunity that comes with, with to be honest playing to a room of people who aren't there to see you um, and I think that that's like such a really cool thing to do. It's a ch- it's challenging, but it's also super rewarding to try and um, I suppose um, like win a group of people over. But you know, the people who people who listen to the national are fans of music, you know. So sure. we we got really lucky with that. To compare to today, like I mean, I feel just like festival gigs are different to club gigs. Period. Let alone the nature of of, of either one. Yeah. Um, you know, people are here to have a really good time and get out in the sun and, and you know, wave their particular country's flag. And, you know, I think that that's like a really cool thing about, about, playing, about playing festivals and it's always a different um, kind of vibe and spirit that comes with that. People who go to festivals don't necessarily go to club gigs and vice versa. So you're kind of like playing to a different group of people, which is really nice. Yeah, sort of maximizing your exposure, yeah. Yeah. Just to, to pivot to your, um, your record and your work for a minute, um, I feel like something that I'm struck by when I listen to your stuff is uh, your ability to sort of tackle some fairly serious and heartfelt topics um, with a, you know, a little bit of lightness and humor. How do you feel that you know, that approach helps you in your ability to like, approach that sort of stuff? That's really kind of you to say. I mean, I think for me personally, like, and this is something that I've spoken to uh, spoken about um, with my partner recently. Um, my partner's a songwriter as well, and, um, and 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 her approach to songwriting is that like something happens to you and you write about it immediately, um, which is wonderful and it, and it's it's <laughs> a way of doing things. Stroke of inspiration, yeah. yeah. Whereas for me, I actually take a bit of time between a particular incident or an experience or something happening and then me writing about it. And I feel like with hindsight, and for, to speak to my personality type particularly, um, there's something about being able to laugh back on an experience that you've had, like, you know, particularly if it's been a shit one, um, but also, <laughs> you know, if it's been a good one or whatever, and like sort of looking back on memories really fondly, which, you know, I've been very, very lucky to have, you know, a really you know, pretty stable and, and, and good life, um, you know, along with all the little bumps along the way, but nothing too too dramatic in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, I think that that's probably has something to do with it, like a little bit of hindsight and perspective. But given that, something that I've been trying to do recently is to be more immediate with my songwriting and see what happens with that. Um, so you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you've played quite a few festivals this summer already, right? Yeah, you've yeah, been yeah. sort of on the circuit. Um, so I know that like a lot of um, the conversation surrounding music festivals right now um, is being driven by some of the work that like the Key Change Initiative is doing in terms of like um, gender equitable booking at festival um, festivals around the world. And I know that um, some, including like Iceland Airwaves in in Iceland and um, Beyond the Valley in Australia, have sort of taken that pledge, whereas a lot of the ones in the U.S. haven't. So I guess um, just my question on that is like, as a performer, what gives you hope in terms of like, you know, those kind of booking policies and like getting more like female identifying artists 
on festival lineups and what uh, do you think still needs to be done? What's kind of still bums you out, I guess? I think the obvious thing is that there needs to be more female females and, and um, you know, gender diverse uh, individuals on lineups, period. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think that that necessarily has to be a bottom-up strategy. I think that that also um, comes into where people are placed in lineups. I think that it's so rare that we have um, a, a non-male identifying headliner at any given festival. Yeah. Um, and I think that that really needs to change. It's really interesting because people really turn to a festival poster to gauge how equal um, you know a given event is. But there are certain things that really um, that go under the radar that I think need to be addressed, which are arguably even more important than that. The two things that come to mind is the um, the gender pay gap. Um, it's all well and good to put a gender diverse act on a lineup, but they need to be getting paid the um, the appropriate amount for their work, um, particularly in comparison to their male counterparts. The other thing that comes to mind with that is um, crew. Um, oh, sure. As a woman in uh, in music, I am surrounded by men all the time. Not necessarily because of musicians, but because of crew. It is a even more male dominated part of. Um, you know, the festival circuit specifically um, and also just touring in general and in the studio and all those sort of areas. And I think that um, that really, really needs to change. And I think then that needs to be a more open dialogue that happens between people. It's all well and good to have the sort of like visual representation of, you know, people on stage who are representing, you know, again, these gender diverse kind of um, communities but backstage, like, it's equally, if not more, important to make sure that there's that visibility too um, because at the end of the day, there's no show without those people and, um, and we need to have them working and we need to have them paid the same amount and we need to have them given the same opportunities that as, as everyone else. I think that is a really good point and that is something that I feel like has not sort of surfaced at all, like you said. It, um, hasn't, it hasn't been surfaced at all and it's really interesting and, and that's why I say it shouldn't be a ground-up thing. Like, I feel like there are so many things that need to simultaneously be attacked other than, like, making sure that there are gender-diverse names on festivals in a given place. Like, there is so much stuff in the back end. At the end of the day, like the reason that I can do my job is because I'm getting paid a certain amount to do it. Like, it's all well and good to put someone in bold, like, font at the top of a poster, but if they're not getting the support to, you know, to manage their career in an appropriate way and in a sustainable way, then it's pointless. Yeah. So that's, like, that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. Not to switch gears uh, too abruptly, but I know that um, just, in you know, in my experience with, with looking at, uh, at your work and sort of your... Um, you know your your career that you like me are a big fan of beat up old cars. Yeah. Um, specifically, I know your uh, your your '99 Corolla, right? Yes. Is that the one? Well, um, yes. I don't have my Corolla anymore. Right, I, right. I sold it unfortunately. For but me, yes. yeah. For me, it was a '91 Dodge Dynasty. So oh, I no feel way. You on that one. My best friend has a '89 um, um, Mitsubishi Laser called the Laser Amazer. <laughs> my Corolla was a Corolla's Royce. Those, yeah. are, those are very wonderful names. Yeah. I was just going to ask what your favorite memory of that car was because I know that we get so close to our our vehicles that it's you know it's sort of they become sort of an extension of our of, of us. <laughs> I think my favorite memory of that car was um, a couple of things. It had a really really good like air conditioning and heating system because it either got really fucking cold or really fucking hot. There was no in between. But when you really needed it, it was there for you. 
but also like I um, the way that the purchase of the car happened is because I um, kind of like my, my mum was helping me out with buying it and I was just like look I have this amount of money can you like help me buy a car I don't I, I'm 18 I don't know anything about cars like I need I need I need a bit of help and um, so I sort of like gave her this money I was like can you go and, and you know find a car for this amount and I remember coming out onto the street one day at home and she pointed to this car that was parked outside a house, our house and she was like, what do you think of this car? Like, do you think it's all right? And I'm like, yeah, it's like a, you know, blue Toyota Corolla, like, you know, sedan sort of thing. And she was like, good, well, it's yours. I was like, what? And that was like the experience of me getting my first car and I was so stoked. It was, a, it was the coolest thing ever. I'd never seen it before and it was just a wonderful thing that she did for me. Yeah, just helped me out. All right, so I got one more quick one for you before uh, you get back to it. Um, obviously, you are you are from Melbourne. Yes. Uh, great music scene there. Beautiful music scene. What, uh, I guess, other than yourself, who is the best or the, the artist from Melbourne that everybody should be listen, listening to and maybe like isn't enough yet or you know who are sort of your who are your favorites on the local scene i think that melbourne has a um a really beautiful scene of um female musicians who are like really on the rise like obviously camp cope and courtney barnett are both from melbourne and jen clower as well um and they're doing great and it's really wonderful to see them sort of flourish um but three bands that come to mind or three acts that come to mind that um i've really been inspired by one uh, being Eilish Gilligan. She's a very good friend of mine um, and is an extremely passionate and dedicated musician who has really come into her own and found her own identity, um, which is super exciting. Another band called Cable Ties. Um, they're a, a great three-piece out of Melbourne. They just released a wonderful record, uh, I think it was last year, um, out on Poison City, which is an Australian-based record that everyone, uh, Australian-based label that everyone should check out. And yesterday I discovered this band called um, Merpire, um, M-E-R-P-I-R-E, um, who I think are based between Melbourne and Sydney. Um, and I just stumbled across their stuff yesterday in the van because someone shared it on an Instagram post. And their EP is awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. So there's heaps of stuff going on. And it's so wonderful to be touring as much as I am. But the one thing that is a downside about it is that I, I'm not as in touch with the local scene as I once was, but I always have my eye on it and I try to keep my finger on the pulse as much as possible. Well, Alex Leahy, thank you for joining us here with Consequence of Sound. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for more artist interviews from Lollapalooza all week long. And if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. On Apple Podcasts, you can hop on, leave us a five-star review, and if you got some thoughts to share with us, why not write us a review? And on Podchaser, you can not only rate and review this series, Consequence of Sound, but you could also rate and review this specific episode. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you very soon with an all-new episode of Consequence of Sound. Consequence Podcast Network.